0: There is no true love in this world there were only two people willing to compromise and adjust to each other it's as if the love experienced during these intimate moments has the power to unconsciously awaken past pains seeking the attention and love that were once unavailable however Attempts to heal from our inner child often lead to intense disputes and become the cause of crisis in intimate relationships. The people truly worth spending a lifetime with are those who have seen you struggled, have seen you cried, know how much suffering you have gone through, know how ordinary you are as a person, and they are still willing to share your burdens. They allow you to be neither pretty nor rational, and yet they're still willing to share their shoulders and all the candies with you. Welcome to another episode of the Tool Care for Quarter Life Podcast. I'm your friend Kitty, as in Hello Kitty. Here you'll find all the tools you need to go through the quarter-life crisis. Let's make these years count. Last time I had a call with a close friend, we stumbled upon a perpetually intriguing topic, boyfriends. My friend views dating as an inevitable part of her life ever since high school. She just enjoyed the feeling of it. So let me put it this way, while other people collect stamps, she collects boyfriends. However, in her extensive collection, none of them lasted very long until she met her current boyfriend. And I don't think it's her problem, really. I mean, I firmly believe all the girls in this world are angels and they're all very, very kind, very sweet. But she is definitely one of the sweetest, the kindest, the most empathetic girls or person i've ever known in my life and every time we had a very long phone call i feel cheered up every time we had a chat when i'm down, i feel re-energized so what's wrong here that, in all her previous relationships there is a recurring pattern every time the honeymoon period ended arguments would ensue both parties would begin to feel unappreciated or misunderstood sometimes Even if they're genuinely wrong, the other person really seemed to care or would dismiss her with phrases like, can't you not act like a child? But then my friend happily said, this time, however, things are different. Whenever I feel insecure, whenever I want to retreat, I'm at a loss, my boyfriend is always there for me, patiently caring, patiently caring for and comforting me which reminds me of my mom and dad. For the very first time in the relationship, I'm allowed to be a child. And I also do the same when my boyfriend needs to become a child. I'm more than happy to take more responsibility and become a parent for that time. We've been together for almost three years now. Although we no longer have the initial passion, this intimate bond has made us love each other even more. So according to my friend, this experience of being allowed to be a child is a crucial component of any long-term relationship. Without it, it's hard for the relationship to continue. I think we've all heard about something called honeymoon period or say we have lots of experience with it. During this initial phase of a relationship, which normally lasts about three months, intense hormones would cloud our rationality and we see our partners in an ideal light in every way. In the book Intimate Relationships, which is considered as the bible of romantic relationships, the author refers to this as the lunar halo phenomenon, representing an illusory radiance. Because the moon itself does not emit light, it merely reflects the light from the sun. That's the time we feel madly in love, that's the time we want to be 24-7 with our partner. Don't worry it's completely normal it's just our body releasing a huge amount of chemicals including dopamine oxytocin estrogen testosterone and adrenaline however as time goes on and we face more challenges together the initial novelty and passion gradually diminish each other's flaws become more apparent leading to arguments over trivial matters such as forgetting to mention working late or feeling uncared for just when the other person falls asleep first. All these experiences indicate that the honeymoon period has now officially ended, and the relationship has entered a new phase. In psychology, this is called the phase of intimate connection. Although the term itself might suggest on oh, physical intimacy, no. The focus of this phase is actually on vulnerability. It means that the relationship is now filled with new challenges. Let me give you some of the most common things that would happen in this phase. We start to feel more insecure. We want more frequent messages than before. And we hope for prompt replies. We depend on the partner when we are sick. We seek care and love. We discuss our childhood traumas, hoping to hear things like, I'll give you lots of love. Or I won't let you get hurt again. When I first read that list, I was like, wow, that's freaking accurate. And I almost match every one of them. For example, the first one, texting, right? In the initial dating phase, I don't even have WhatsApp installed on my main phone. It's like on my backup phone. I rarely check about it. But when this phase comes, I know sometimes text won't mean a lot, but it suddenly means a lot to me. And this is all because subconsciously, we're testing whether we can safely be a child when hurt in a relationship, which signals a commitment beyond passion, establishing a deep, intimate bond. Quoting intimate relationships again, this stage is also referred as disillusionment. After sharing a particularly intimate time together, couples often find themselves more prone to arguments. When two people feel especially close, everything seems to be perfect, with humor and tenderness more abundant than usual. It's as if the love experienced during these intimate moments has the power to unconsciously awaken our past pains, seeking the attention and love that were once unavailable when we were a real kid. However, attempts to heal our inner child often lead to intense disputes and become the cause of crisis in intimate relationships. If our vulnerability at that time is not met with care, we may feel disappointed. We may start to believe all the previous promises were false, causing the relationship to stagnate. And some may just end their relationship if their needs during this phase are not met. That's why it is known as a defying point in every relationship. If you can handle this turning point well, this relationship can easily last long. If not... It will become a point when you break up and say goodbye to each other for the rest of your life. So in a word, to maintain a long-lasting, high-quality relationship, it's essential to navigate this phase successfully. How do we do it? The answer is way simpler than we think. State switch. In a study titled intimate couples, regression, and lower right supporting structures, psychologists introduced the concept of state switching. They classified three main states for both parties in a relationship. Child ego state, adult ego state, and parent ego state. Let's start with child ego state, which is the most interesting one. It refers to the time when we regress to be a childlike state in adulthood. This often happens when we encounter difficult issues or when we enter into intimate relationships. I think the book Mr. Toad Goes to See a Psychiatrist has a great explanation of this child ego state. It's just that the basic emotions of a natural child are happiness, affection, anger, sadness, and fear. The typical manifestation of a child ego state is tantrums. Which I know, I definitely do a lot. So tantrums are a childish way of expressing anger. Just like when a child hears an adult say, um, No, you can't do that. This makes the child very angry and hopeless because they cannot respond to the adult who made them angry with violence or aggressive behavior. They are too little for that. And the only thing they can do is to lie down, kick and scream. However, when adults behave this way, we say they're just being unreasonable. And of course, this child ego state isn't suitable for the workplace or socializing. You cannot just refuse to do the project by saying, no likey, no likey, unless you want a lengthy chat with the HR. You also won't display it very often in front of your friends, or you will soon find yourself without any. The next one is the adult ego state, which is categorized by a focus on rationality, objectivity, and facts. Again, an analogy that I, um, that I think of for the state is our teachers. Our teachers will tell us what's right, what's wrong, what we can do, what we cannot do. They reward us and they punish us. But what they will not do is to give us a tight hug and say everything will be all right. And in our daily life, most people communicate in the adult ego states because that's what's expected from us at work or in social settings. So we're very used to that state. And the problem arises when one partner regresses into the child ego state and the other remains in the adult ego state, leading to feelings of being neglected, And disappointment in the partner, and thus a feeling of disconnect between the two. An example would be like one partner brings up how parents favored the younger sibling in childhood, so they felt neglected. They got emotional, and the child ego states within us started crying, while the other partner, in the adult ego state, might respond with things like, "You are grown up now. You don't need to care about them anymore." Yes. Even though this response from that partner may be factually correct and intended to comfort or reassure, it comes across as cold and fails to meet the needs of our child ego state, the need for comforting and nurturing love. This can make us feel unvalued and disappointed in our partner. I mean, has it ever worked when you try to reason with a child? Even though you are right in every way, has the child ever listened? It's not their fault. They're just being a child. An even worse scenario is when both parties regress into the child ego state simultaneously. In the same situation as before, the partner in the child ego state may seek attention, discussing their childhood traumas, diverting attention from you. This can intensify feelings of abandonment. Only after your partner is converted, after the tension is gone, For me personally, it takes about like at least two or three days. It's then okay for both of you. Yeah, the keyword is both. To switch back to adult ego state together. This is a time we can sit down calmly, discuss our feelings rationally, and consider solutions together. Therefore, for a relationship to successfully navigate this phase and deepen the bond without disappointment, the correct approach is for one partner to switch to a nurturing parent ego state when the other is in a vulnerable child ego state. So how do you deal with a child? What does that even mean by being a parent? I believe many of you listening to this episode do not have any practical experience of being a parent. Lucky you, the YouTuber 77 Seven Bro presented a really good example. When your partner says, Why are you coming home so late? You never used to do this. You've changed. Do not love me anymore. That's when your adaptive pattern needs to switch to a parental state. It's basically like how you would treat a child. You need to show care and concern. You could say things like, Oh, sweetheart, is it because of this? Wait here, let me get you something you like. How could I not love you? And so on. Because when a person regresses into the child ego state, fundamentally, they seek love and care, emotional comfort, and acceptance from the other, rather than rational lecturing and analysis of pros and cons. I really love a paragraph written by a famous Chinese writer, Lin Ying. She wrote in her book, Many people may like you because you're good-looking, you're witty, and you're fun to be around. But these likes often come with too many expectations and conditions. The people truly worth spending a lifetime with are those who have seen you cried, have seen you struggled. They know how much suffering you've gone through. They know how ordinary you are as a human being. But they are still willing to share your burdens. They allow you to be neither pretty nor rational. And yet, they are still willing to share their shoulders and all the candies with you. However, do be cautious if only one person is always playing the parent role. I think this is a big lesson for me because I definitely feel I'm the one that's switching to the child ego state very very often but not that often as a parent. So if one partner constantly acts like a child and the other as a parent, this can strain the relationship potentially leading to its end. By taking turns being the child and the parent, we can navigate the phase of intimate connection smoothly, strengthening strengthening our trust and love, understanding that the partner will be there for us in times of setback. According to a study in 2014, alternating roles of child and parent state are crucial for the smooth progress of intimate relationships. Okay. Understanding these different states is easy, but the harder question is, how can we smoothly switch between roles in the relationship? Three steps for you. Step one, identify the signals of entering the child ego state. Step one, identify the signals of entering the child ego state. The signals can be becoming somewhat irrational, unable to listen to whatever the other person is saying. It can be like mentioning post-traumatic events, feeling low or overly excited. It can be displaying obvious childlike behavior, such as curling up in not speaking, or having a tantrum but refusing to communicate. Well, that's so me. One thing I did notice the last time I turned into a child ego state. You know, the last time I turned into a child ego state... I did notice a thing about myself. I very subconsciously crossed my legs on my seat. It's not actually a very, you know, particularly (laughs) comfortable position. I don't normally do that in my daily life. But at that point, it made me feel like I was taking up less space. It's like I was being protected. Step two, respond with emotional affirmation and love. I remember when I was crying in my childhood, even when I'm the wrong one, which is mostly the case, my dad would just walk to me and make some funny faces or things like, oh, look how ugly you are with your runny nose. And I would burst into laughter every time. And that's how the arguments are solved. When we, or the other person, enters the child ego state, suggestions and adult-style rational analysis will never work. We need to care for and understand each other's emotions. For example, when that happened, You must have felt really bad. If you want to talk more about it, I'm here to listen. I really want to do something for you. What do you think I could do to make you feel better? And you can also take direct action, such as holding their hand, patting their head, or giving them a big hug. As the saying goes, if a problem can be solved with a hug, do not try to resolve it with reasoning. Step number three. After returning to the adult ego state, reach a consensus on switching back and forth. When we return to the adult ego state, we need to agree. The other person may also have moments of reverting to child ego state. Sometimes, we also need to be nurturing parents, offering our listening, love, and care. In other words, when we are in a vulnerable or irrational state, and the other person unconditionally accepts and embraces us. When we both return to a rational adult state, we should give each other complete understanding and love. I recently came across a saying, there is no true love in this world. There are only two people willing to compromise and adjust with each other. I first heard about it in Chinese, and for the second part, they used the word "mohe." I can't find a perfect translation in English, ChatGPT suggested compromise and just. But I feel it's more like two gears. No two gears in this world that are created to just fit perfectly from the start. It's only through the friction of rubbing against each other over and over again that you can increasingly understand and adapt each other's shapes, slowly wearing some of the edges, becoming more and more compatible until both gears can operate harmoniously. And I also think the first part of the saying is too extreme. I believe in true love. And I also believe we will encounter true love multiple times in our life. Because we will not just fall in love with one person. We will fall in love with a type of people. But the thing here is not every time when we encounter it, we know how to cherish it. We know how to cultivate this relationship. That's why we miss out people in our lives. Just as the lyrics in a really, really popular Chinese song called Later. I would say at least 90% of all the Chinese can sing this song. The lyrics goes, Only later, I finally learned how to love. Unfortunately, you have long gone, vanished among the crowd. Only later, when in tears I finally understood. Some people Once you miss them, will never return. It takes a long journey for two hearts to become one. There is no perfect partner in this world. Truly long-lasting and stable love requires mutual effort and cultivation from both sides. And as I've quoted the book Intimate Relationships so many times in this episode, let me also end this episode with it. This is a paragraph that I really, really love. Fear and ignorance are the two main reasons for the failure of intimate relationships. The more we understand the hidden traps, the less we will be controlled by ignorance, and naturally, there will be nothing to fear. I hope this episode has helped you to better understand those traps, has taught you how to be a nurturing parent, and I wish you, like my friend, have someone who allows you to be a child. This is for today's episode of Toolkit for Quarter Life. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you listen to your podcast. If you have any questions in your life, no matter as about work, about study, relationships, or life in general, please feel free to email toolkitforquarterlife.gmail.com or DM Toolkit for Quarter Life Instagram. The links can be found in the show notes. I will answer all the questions directly within a week. And if it can be talked about as a topic in about 30 minutes, I'll also consider making it into an episode of this show. If you like what you've been hearing so far, could you please follow the show and leave a review? I'm your friend Kitty, as in Hello Kitty. Have a good rest of your day. See you in the next episode.